This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the Dude. Welcome back. You are listening to Hey Bartender Podcast, the, bar, uh, the podcast that pretends like he's in a bar, but we're taking social distancing to pretty much an obsessive compulsive level. I'm your bartender for the evening. You can call me Anthony or you can call me dude, whatever you can remember. How's everybody doing tonight? Uh, you know, as we continue on through this dumpster fire that is 2020, uh, we are just, you know, just trucking along, aren't we? So anyway, uh, let's get a little bit of business out of the way. Uh, first off, I got to mention bartendersowncoffee.com. They've got a huge selection of different blends that you are sure to enjoy. I've tried a lot of them myself. And, in you know, I'm more of the st- strict traditional coffee. I don't go for the flavors that much. But their house blend has unbelievable uh, taste and aroma to it that... It, I love it, and usually I'm the type of person that has to drown their coffee in sugar and creamer, but their house blend is actually very awesome, even on its own. So if you are in need of some morning wake-up juice, head on over to bartendersowncoffee.com and pick up your favorite blend today. All right, now that we got that out of the way, we got to talk about the bar's drink special today. Uh, today's drink special comes from the cocktail scientist on Instagram. I search Instagram all the time. I follow a lot of bartenders. I follow a lot of people that, uh, try to make up their own drinks or just have good presentation when it comes to drinks that we already know. But the cocktail scientist comes up, uh, came up with this original recipe that I think you guys ought to know about. Uh, it's, I believe it's called the Kapok tree planters punch. Uh, K-Pok spelled K-A-P-O-K. It's an original recipe done by the cocktail scientist. The ingredients are as follows. Uh, One and a quarter ounce light rum, one and a half ounce amber rum, one and a half ounce dark rum, two ounces of lime juice, two ounces of orange juice, two ounces of pineapple juice, and a half ounce of grenadine. The directions are as follows. Step one. In a cocktail shaker filled with ice, add light rum, amber rum, and all juice ingredients and grenadine. Shake vigorously for 15 seconds. Strain into a large cocktail vessel filled with ice. Float the dark rum on the cocktail. Garnish with orange slice and maraschino maraschino cherry. Then enjoy. A little science fact that he's going to throw in here on here. I'm going to tell you guys about it. The Kapok tree is native to Mexico. Central America, and the Caribbean, and Northern northern South America. So, there you go. Uh, give the K-POC, uh, what did I call it? Uh, give the K-POC tree planters punch a try. Get your customers to try this stuff, and let me know, or let the cocktail scientists know on Instagram how what you think of it. I'm sure he'd love to hear about it, and I would love to hear what you guys think of these drinks that I keep bringing out to you. If you want to take a look at some of uh, the drink that I just talked about, go to, um, where, what is it? www.heybartenderpodcast.com. I actually forgot the name of my own website. Weird. www.heybartenderpodcast.com. I usually post the most recent drink recipe I talk about on my website. I'm going to probably change that up pretty soon and uh, add, uh, set up a whole page where I put up every single cocktail that I put on this on this podcast on one certain page on the website so you guys can go back and check out other recipes and stuff like that but go to heybartenderpodcast.com to check out the drink recipe listen to past podcast episodes and pick up a t-shirt you know uh help support a podcast by buying a t-shirt just to let you know a little bit later on in this episode i'm going to be playing uh acoustic number by metallica in support of their all within my hands foundation their personal charity and, you know, so sit back and listen to the podcast and then be prepared for that a little bit later. So anyway, this podcast uh, pretty much came to mind because I, I started reflecting on some of the stuff that's happened to me in pretty much every job that has 
that I've been through pretty much all my life. Uh, I kind of have a suffer from a little bit of self-esteem, but then all of a sudden one day I started thinking about it and then it's, I all of a sudden realized it's not really always me. I mean, I can't boost myself up and all of a sudden real have this epiphany think I, and I have great self-esteem now because I figured this out. No, my self self-esteem is still pretty much shot, but I started thinking back uh, to all these managers and, uh, and the, there's some things out there that bother me. Managers uh, in general, uh, they had they do have a tough job. They have to make quick decisions. They have to decide who stays, who goes, uh, who can who can be hired, uh, prices. They got a lot of work to do, and which comes up to my personal pet peeve is making assumptions. What's the old saying? Uh, uh, well, one person says, you know what, uh, you know what it does when you make assumptions and you go, what? And it's, well, it makes an ass out of you and me. And they sit back there and think that they're all, uh, clever, but I changed that one day and somebody, uh, somebody said, uh, said never, I, they were making this assumption that in the particular job that I was doing at that point in time. And I said, no, 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 no. Don't just assume that he's uh, clear. Call him, make sure that he's clear first. So then turn on the power. And he goes, I, he says, well, it's been long enough. I just assumed. And I said, never, ever, ever assume. And he goes, oh yeah, I know it makes an ass out of you and me. And I said, I'm not an ass. I didn't assume anything you are. And that upset him a little bit because I was basically flat out calling him an ass but it didn't affect me any, so I don't know what his problem was. So managers make assumptions uh, based on experience or, you know, just what, you know, whatever pops into their head most of the time. I told you about this before. When I worked at one of the bars that was basically new, they drove away most of their customers and why did they drive away their customers is because the manager didn't like Harley riders. And he thought that Harley riders would come in, start fights, beat each other, beat each other up with pool cues. You know, uh, you know, they figured it was going to be the nightmare in Altamont pretty much every night if they had Harley riders there. Now, let me tell you, uh, the lo- most loyal customers I've ever had as a bartender were Harley riders because one, you know, one thing that uh, these biker groups, I'm not going to call them gangs, but these people that ride around together, uh, they they call them, uh, in my town, they call themselves the Brotherhood. But if you're a bartender, you're not automatically part of the Brotherhood, but you're pretty much in good standings with the Brotherhood, and they will do anything to help protect you if you need help. They're family at that point. Although I'm not saying that uh, some of you bars probably have a little bit of trouble with uh, some people. There's always a bad seed out there somewhere that causes a little bit too much trouble. I mean, hell, the most famous clan in the world uh, started out just a bunch of drinking buddies. And then all of a sudden, they, one guy took it a little bit too far. At least according to what my history teacher said. I don't know that for certain. But the manager of the bar I was working at... Uh, They wanted to know if they could park their Harleys on a very wide sidewalk that we had uh, right in front of the building. When they came and asked me personally uh, the night uh, that one Saturday night, they said, can we park our Harleys on the sidewalk? And I said, as long as you're away from the door and there's room for a gurney to go down the sidewalk, I don't give a shit where you park. And so we, you know, they were, they were happy about that. But the next time, they confronted the manager about it. They said, can we park our Harleys on the sidewalk? The manager says, no. In fact, I don't even want you here. And that scared away our customers, uh, our Harley customers. And they moved on to a different bar, which I met up with them a little bit later when I changed, when I ended up changing bars. Of course, it would annoy the shit out of me. I mean, I ride a Harley now myself. And if I wandered into a bar wearing my wearing my safety gear, my leathers, uh, you know, mostly it's there just so I, if I fall off the bike, I don't completely hamburgerize myself. 
if they turned and looked at me and said, we don't want your kind here. And I, I'll, I would probably look at them right in the eye and say, what kind is that? And, you know, if they, and then they can make whatever, uh, assumptions about me that they want. And, you know, I can't really say that I'm going to be the type of person that said, well, you just lost a customer or you've just lost a lot of business because I'm not coming in. I don't have that kind of power. I don't have that kind of control, but I will talk shit about them on the podcast. <laughs> but as a bartender, I really didn't mind the Harley riders. You know, they were paying customers. What did I care? Uh, they tipped well and they were there to drink and have a good time just like everybody else. But the owners made the assumption that they were going to be nothing but trouble and basically tossed them out, lost their business. And I didn't like it, but I had to go along with what the manager wanted. Truth being told, the Harley riders that I had in my bar, they drove Chevy pickups in the morning. They rode Harley Davidson's at night. That's the way they worked. And I, for Billy Joel fans out there, I am quoting a Billy Joel song. And in fact, if you are, uh, that, that line that I just said, they all drive Chevy pickups in the morning. They all ride Harley Davidson's at night. If you know the name of that song, email me dude at heybartenderpodcast.com. The first five people that send me the answer to that, uh, what song that was from gets the free Hey Bartender podcast t-shirt. I've already given you uh, one hint. The song lyric, they all drive Chevy pickups in the morning. They all ride Harley Davidson's at night. I already gave you one clue. It's a Billy Joel song. So there you go. Start from there. The first five people that I get an email from gets a free Hey Bartender podcast t-shirt. This offer expires September 26, 2020. So send me your emails before then. But by saying that, they're they're hardworking people and they relax, they find their chill by riding their motorcycle, their Harley around town a little bit, and then stopping in for a beer or two. And they those guys were in no way looking for trouble. Uh, and but if trouble did come up, they were ready to step up. And by trouble, I mean if somebody were to threaten the bartender on duty, all you had to do was just say kill. They would have probably done it, but they never did, never had to use that. And basing that assumption from the manager, they we lost business and we lost loyalty. And Harley riders are uh, extremely loyal. So I don't get it. Well, I told I just told you they base their opinion on Harley riders by the way they dress. You know, they see the leathers, they see the bandanas and patches and they automatically think we don't want that person here. But truth being told, I've seen some pretty scruffy looking Harley riders that make two, three, four times what I do a year, whatever job that they might have. And, or, I mean, you walk around Sturgis probably this last year, the 250,000 people that went there during the COVID pandemic. Uh, I'm sure there were some people there that make uh, six to seven figures a year just to be able to do that. Uh, and they come from all walks of life. But the managers also make assumptions on how well you dress. So say you're bartending one night and this guy comes in uh, wearing a decent looking suit. Uh, I don't know your suit, so I can't say expensive, but it's a decent looking suit. And then all of a sudden the manager kisses his ass to the nth level. And so we got to keep bringing him in. We got this guy spends money. He'll be bring friends. We want that higher class of person to be here. And little in my case, after getting to know this guy a little bit, this guy, sure. He wore a suit. I have no idea if it was, you know, it was Tom Ford or if it was, uh, something that he bought off the rack at Walmart I'm like I said, I don't know your styles and I don't know your suit cuts, but this guy probably in 19 or 1999, 2000, uh, made probably around $65,000 a year. Uh, and he was a shitty tipper. Uh, and by shitty, this was, uh, this is the bartender's point of view as a shitty tipper. He would bet, uh, uh, he would tip 
uh, as uh, to his how many rounds that he got. So if he started a tab that and you gave him his tab at the end of the thing, he would tip you one dollar if he had five beers and five beers and a couple shots. But if he came in, just had one beer, he'd give you a dollar. So you, any way, shape, or form, he would come in, uh, you got one dollar. That was that was it from this guy. And so you'd kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. Sure, he's he's not here to cause too much trouble. He doesn't know how to tip. And, and you do have to realize you don't get bit rich by throwing your money around. Uh, it's, although... To, to look rich, you have to throw your money around. And most people that make very little money are more inclined to throw their money around than pe- people that are uh, exceptionally rich. But they do take, you know, you got to still take care of your server. You find out about this guy. He probably makes five figures and he's a low tipper. I'm not going to say poor tipper. He, I mean, at least he tipped. There were other people that didn't tip. That's a poor tip. But he was a low tipper. The managers kissed his ass, and then all of a sudden, one night, he acts up, gets a little one too many uh, drinks in his system, and starts a fight. Now, in most cases, uh, in, in a bar that I used to work at, if you get in a fight, pick a number between 85 and 87. You're, you are automatically 86. I don't care who is involved. Both parties that are involved, you're out, and never come back. But... The managers that I was working with at the time, when I 86 that guy for getting into a fight, and I mean, this was a fight, you know, uh, the stools got knocked over, a uh, little uh, clothes got torn, a little bit of blood, and uh, all of a sudden I said, okay, 86 these guys, I told these bouncers just 86 them, get them, get them out of here. And all of a sudden the next day he comes back in as if nothing ever happened. And I said, didn't I 86 you? And he goes, oh, I talked to the manager. They said, this, it's I, I can come back in. And I walk over to the manager and I said, he got into a fight last night. I 86 him. She says, well, he said he was sorry. And I was just like, oh, Christ. And it's, you know, we do 86 people for a reason. Uh, but that guy didn't last much longer because rumor got around town. I guess he went home with a girl and or took a girl home and the next morning uh she woke up and found that the crotch was cut out of her pants for some reason i I, still to this day i uh, scratch my head over that and then rumors got around town that he did that and then he left town we never saw him again embarrassed the shit out of him i guess or whatever so eventually we didn't have to deal with that guy anymore but the fact that the manager overrode something that I said pissed me off. At first I was like, well, it's their bar. Do what they want. That's the way management works, right? That you got to do what the boss says. But I worked in other bars where the bar, uh, where the bar manager, bar owner pretty much said, you made the decision that's, uh, and I got to back you up. And that felt pretty fucking good. Although I'd like to think that if I made a really, 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 really bonehead decision, he would take me aside and say, you know what, let's talk about this for a little bit and see if I can change your mind. Uh, Because I expect my manager to back me up when I make a hard decision because he's not there. When the bar, bar manager's not there, the bartender is in charge. So uh, if you'd make a really boneheaded decision, or make a uh, decision that had to be made, I'd like to think that the manager would would back you up no matter what. I mean, there was even one customer where uh, the bar phone rang and the server left it within arm's reach of the customers. Now, I don't know about everybody else, but if I see a business phone ringing, I don't pick it up. It's not my phone. I mean, uh, even... Some of my friends back in the day when people still had landlines, their phone would ring and I'd just stay sitting on the couch or uh, whatever. And they're like, why didn't you answer it? And I said, it ain't my phone. And they're like, no, geez, everybody knows you're here enough. Don't, uh, don't just go ahead and pick it up. Still never did. But 
the server left the phone within arm's reach of the customer and the phone started, uh, started to ring and the customer picked it up and said paradise grill. And, uh, I don't remember, uh, what happened really after that, because when she put, uh, when she called over whoever was supposed to answer, answer the phone and said, this person's asking a question about this, we chewed her out because, she, you know, it, because it's a business land, line phone, she has no right, in my opinion, to pick up a business phone. And, but she answered it as if she's an employee. What if she told the customer something completely wrong, something completely inappropriate, and, uh, and, you know, all hell breaks loose. And, you know, or if she was, really drunk and her uh, words were slurred, we get the liquor control commission in there checking to see if the bartenders and servers are drunk behind the bar. We don't want that. In fact, one time I do remember uh, they, this is uh, barely before the times when people, everybody, and I mean, everybody had cell phones. Uh, Usually the people that had cell phones were people that had halfway decent jobs or people that didn't really know how to save money. I was one of the people that didn't know how to save money, but not everybody had cell phones. So every once in a while, a customer would ask to borrow the bar phone or somebody would, uh, somebody's spouse would call the bar to see if their, uh, spouse was at the bar. And then came the whole thing of don't tell them I'm here. And so that'll cost you 20 bucks. And, but that's, that's an old joke. Anyway, the, uh, we would let people use the bar phone to make phone calls so they could tell, their friends or tell their significant other that they were there so that they would come join them. There was one time where the bar phone got given to a customer and the customer didn't bring it back to the bar. And, uh, I don't know why this guy did it, but the phone rang and the person on the other line was the spouse of one of my servers. And this guy, uh, decided to start saying things like, Hey, do you know that your, uh, your wife was fooling around with this, uh, with this other dude? And he's like, what? And he, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they used to fool around all the time. And that you know, started some serious drama. And, uh, eventually I got a call from that server saying, uh, who the hell told my husband that I fooled around with this other guy? And I said, I don't know shit about that. What are you talking about? And, uh, yeah, I got an earful for it and it wasn't my damn fault. And uh, cause I'm not even sure I was the one who gave the dude the phone, but I lost track, uh, uh, because I lost track of what I was talking about. That one woman that answered the phone just because the phone was w- within reach and, let me, uh, there's just, it's a pet peeve. You don't answer somebody else's business phone. You don't answer anybody else's phone, period. If you see a random cell phone or even your friend's cell phone ringing on the table, I don't pick it up. Uh, that's, that's me. Even if they tell me, uh, could you pick that? Could you answer that for me? Uh, I'll pick up the phone and hand it to them. Uh, I don't, I don't want to know what's on the other line. Don't want to deal with it. But we yelled at that woman. And said, do not ever, ever answer the business phone ever again. And she started crying. I didn't, I just was wanting to help out. And she, we, we pretty much chewed her out for it. And then she went to the manager and she said, your servers yelled at me because I answered the phone. And the manager's like, well, did you answer it uh, with the name of the bar? She goes, yeah. And he goes, well, I don't see any problem with that. Oh dear God. And I mean, and she, she was a loyal customer. She came in all the time, um, medium tipper, but she was also annoying as fuck. She had been 86 from one of the other bars. I don't know about, uh, any of the others, but she was 86 from the bar right behind us because she was caught stealing tips off the table and she had nowhere else to go at this point. And so she had to be on her best behavior at our bar and granted answering the business phone isn't grounds to a B 86, but it is grounds in my book to get yelled at. Hell, there might be a manager or two out there right now saying, well, it's your own fault for leaving it in with within the customer's reach. 
okay, uh, maybe we'll give you that. But there's also this little thing called willpower and responsibility. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. Do you, any of you others uh, yell at your customers for doing shit like that? But uh, like I've said in previous podcasts, I'm pretty sure that those managers from that bar, uh, they were afraid of confrontation. So if somebody acted like that they were about to step up to them a little bit, they'd back off like a scared cat. So anyway, uh, more manager assumptions, you know, and this is the one that hurts to me is when the managers uh, make assumptions on employee loyalty. Now, I'm not saying that all bartenders and servers out there are saints. Believe me, they're not. When you got a server or a bartender that comes in every night for their shift, always on time, and always does has a perfect till when they turn in at night, and their side work is done, you've got somebody that's pretty loyal. But, of course... Me, as a bartender, I can't speak for all of you. I did make a mistake here and then, but it was most uh, it was mostly because I would forget a glass uh, behind a poker machine that I didn't see as I was cleaning up. I'd get in trouble for that constantly. But then all of a sudden, after a year and a half of being a, what I tried to be the, uh, the most loyal employee that they had, uh, I was completely... Ignoring the fact that the uh, the owner and my family had been friends for many years, uh, I completely ignored that. I came in to do a job and to help them make money so I could make money. But all of a sudden, one day, uh, I get a call. Fucking hate this uh, because if managers, if you want to learn something from me right now, if you're going to fire someone, have the balls to do it to their face. Don't call them. That's just fucked up. I mean, shit, and they didn't think it through because I was going to have to come in anyway and uh, turn in my shirts and get my last paycheck. But, you know, I they called me up. Uh, his daughter, the owner's daughter, calls me up one day and says, we're going to have to let you go because there's a lot of things that have been happening around here and uh, we can't have you working for us anymore. I handled that responsibly. In my opinion, I said, I'm sorry you feel that way. Um, I, I can't prove that, uh, can't prove to you right now that I didn't do it, but I really appreciate the opportunity of working for you. And, uh, I'll be in tomorrow to turn in my uniform and get my last paycheck. And she, she made a couple other statements uh, about who I was dating at the time, nonspecific and, uh, a couple other things. I found out later that there were rumors. These were only rumors. I never uh, attempted at any point in time to uh, try to tackle this be- just because they're only rumors. And like I said, they're family friends, so I kind of let them off the hook. But one of the rumors was that there was food missing from the kitchen, steaks, uh, and... They pretty much sat back and figured, according to the people that I talked to, that since I was the last person there that night, because I'm the bartender, I closed. Since I was the last person there, I was stealing food. And, you know, I to this day, I if that rumor was at all true, I still, try, I still give him the benefit of the doubt on this one. If that rumor was true, that, that is the most ridiculous rumor that they had to believe and biggest, dumbest assumption that they've ever done because at that point in time, I was living with my parents. And why the hell would I steal food when I'm living with my parents? That's the dumbest thing in the world. Plus, they were also concerned about poor costs. Okay, at that time, they didn't understand, sure, I mean, we had to use bubble pourers. Now, every bartender out listening to this podcast right now, I'm sure curses bubble pourers. We all hate them, but the managers got to try to figure out how to keep control of pour costs. Sure, 
me and the other bartenders that worked together, we poured heavy for some customers, but we poured light for other customers. So it should have all come out in the middle. But if they didn't see you using the bubble pours or if the bubble pourer malfunctioned, which they always did, they would get mad at you because, you know, like sit like uh, bartenders agree with me, putting a bubble pourer on Irish cream, that thing is going to get gummed up within the first couple hours of using it because of all the sugar and how thick uh, Irish cream is. So you, uh, if the manager happens to be counting your pores behind your back, which is really fucking annoying, they see you grab the Bailey's Irish cream because somebody asked for uh, uh, Irish cream and coffee, and you put the, the bubble pores on it, you're already annoyed by that, and you start to pour a click. Okay, you know that wasn't a whole shot because you... Uh, you count in your head or you just know uh, that it wasn't enough. So you have to tip the thing back, pour again, click. And, and then you finally get upset, pop the bubble pourer off, put on a regular spout if you have any left in your bar, and then you pour out the other three, maybe four count. And the manager uh, gets mad and said, why did you take off the bubble pourer? I said, the fucker doesn't work. It, it's, it went off too early. Now, Bailey's Irish cream is the uh, best case scenario for the bartender's argument. For the manager's argument, uh, it, that's the worst case scenario. Uh, but uh, when your argument comes up, you use bubble pour and they get gummed up by how thick Irish cream can be. You're never going to get a proper pour. You'll, uh, you'll either pour not nearly enough or way too much. Because you've got to teach your bartenders and servers how to count a shot. That's just the way it is. But to control pour costs, they invented something called a bubble pour, and it's uh, and it's pretty much the bane of every bartender's existence. However, like I said, the manager would stand behind the bartenders and count. You know, are they pouring a proper shot? And if they see you pour even slightly above that, they jump on you and so what are you trying to do make me go bankrupt and you like you're standing there like hey the bubble pour doesn't work i know how to pour a perfect shot with my eyes shut so leave me the fuck alone and then they try to stand back and say well it's just because you don't clean them every night of course i don't clean them every night we don't because uh, just soaking them in uh hot water sanitized water it isn't gonna work and well, you got to clean them every night. So then it ended up getting a sanitizer bucket with this agitator on it to uh, handle the, uh, you know, get rid of all the crap in there. It never worked. Still, uh, it didn't matter. After a while, those things, you had to replace them chronically in order because, you know, they might work for the first, I don't know, a couple weeks, month. But then event, eventually they'd start malfunctioning again because it's plastic on metal. And eventually the, the hole that the metal is going up and down in is going to get a little bit bigger, giggity. And it, it eventually isn't going to work anymore. It, it's not cost effective if you ask me. And you can't be creative. You can't uh, treat your one customer a little bit better. Like uh, I was taught in bartending school. Now, you can try your hardest to pour the perfect drink uh, inside a, from a blender. Okay, blended drinks. Ah! Yeah, let's, you know, I know that annoys everybody. But every once in a while, I'd put in ice. I'd put in the rum. I'd put in whatever they asked, like strawberry daiquiri. I uh, put in the strawberry mix, blend it up, pour it into that tornado glass. And according to the manager who went to the school, the same school that I did, she goes, if you fill up the tornado glass, then with ice, and then that's the perfect amount of ice that should go inside that drink. No, no, I'm sorry. There's a lot of empty space in there. You, you got to account for that. But every once in a while, I'd still pour in the perfect shot, a four count of rum and have the strawberry mix. And then I'd pour it into a tornado glass and still have a little bit left. So I take a rocks glass, fill it up with, uh, fill that up with the rest of the strawberry daiquiri mix that's in, inside the blender, and then go over to the customer, hand them their daiquiri, and give them that little shot glass. Like, Here's a little bit extra. You're a good person. 
Did the manager see that as cost efficient? No. They saw that as overpouring. Therefore, they have to sit back and assume you're not a very good bartender and you you don't know what you're doing. Granted, when since they knew my back my background just because uh I told them I had only been a banquet bartender before that and their bar was the first bar that I ever worked at. Okay, I didn't have a lot of experience behind my back, but it it wasn't wrong. It and but I was affecting their costs. That manager was insane. Uh, that manager and his daughter were insanely anal retentive. And I think they also assumed that uh, since me and the other bartender are on duty, we're kind of dating at the time, that would affect business. And in fact, it actually boosted business. It actually uh, it boosted business because it everybody already knew the other bartender, but they didn't know me. And get uh her and I it was it wasn't a business venture for me uh, to date her to uh in order to make myself more popular no it was it was a com- not a complete yeah well maybe it was an accident but since I was dating her other people started to notice me since I wasn't that much of a talker and it boosted my business and it got people to want to get to know me to make sure that the other bartender that they knew and loved for years was with a good guy And so that allowed people to get to know me, get friendly with me and understand that most of the time I'm joking, even though I come off as a sarcastic asshole. So yeah, it was another one of those things you hear about a lot of you corporate people. I'm sure just like, uh, in, uh, back when I worked at McDonald's, the, the intro video that you had to work on, they, in, they said, okay, we can't control how you uh, run your life, but we don't encourage dating in the workplace. Well, bartenders and servers, we are so tight-knit and close. If we're single, it's going to happen. It's, that's the way it goes. But the manager automatically assumed that was going to hurt business. because, Well, it probably could have because eventually, yeah, we did break up. But we weren't working together at the time. But if we had been working together at the time and we broke up, there would be conflicts. Yeah, I think I'll just leave it at that. Next up, the musical guests that I did not ask permission to use their music. I really hope that they look past suing me because uh, I am going to show my support for their All Within My Hands Foundation. The musical guest I've chosen for this episode is Metallica. Metallica has, I've been a huge fan of theirs for years. I mean, uh, back justice for all is probably the, my earliest recollection of them, but my favorite album is master of puppets. Metallica's nonprofit organization called all within my hands is dedicated to creating sustainable communities by supporting workforce education, the right, the fight against hunger and other critical local services. They've been doing a lot since February 2017 when it comes to uh, donating to fight hunger, when it comes to keeping music in schools, and they are also doing a lot for the relief grants for the COVID-19 pandemic at this moment. And it's not just run by Metallica, it's run by Metallica fans. Metallica fans donate to the All Within My Hands Foundation in order to help out other people in need. So if you want to donate to the All Within My Hands Foundation, go check them out, allwithinmyhands.org. And I've always wanted to say this. This is going to be so cool for me. With their 2020 version of their song Blackened from the And Justice For All album, here is Metallica. Sand. The wing 
might not be And callous with the chill Nothing left to kill Never seen before Breathing nevermore Never Once again, that was Metallica with their 2020 version of Blackened. At least they put out a song a version of that song that I can actually attempt to play. I never could play the original, not even on the drums. Uh, if you want to support the All Within My Hands Foundation, uh, go to allwithinmyhands.org and donate today. Does anything else need to be said about Metallica? Pretty much every, pretty sure everybody knows about them. You can either go to allwithinmyhands.org and donate, or I will be placing a link on the Hey Bartender podcast Facebook page to so you can do, donate to All Within My Hands from there also. And it goes all the money that you donate through Hey Bartender podcast goes straight to them. I, ne- I never get to mess with it. So don't assume anything. Ha! I, see how I turned that around back to where this uh, show started out? <laughs> So anyway, I mean, I, I was talking about uh, what I t- talked about before the musical guest was, 
you know, making assumptions, managers, do they have to make assumptions or, you know, cause I'd prefer to make decisions based on cold, hard facts. I don't want to sit back and assume that, well, since that person was there last, they, they have to be the person that was, uh, that did the, whatever it was. And I, I don't know, uh, personally, well, through uh, friends and family, they sat back and thought that uh, they just used that as an excuse to get rid of me because they wanted, uh, they wanted me out of there because uh, maybe I was getting too old and maybe they didn't like the fact that uh, I was dating the other bartenders and, and, or what, I don't know. But uh, needless to say, they made an assumption and got rid of me. Now, did it affect their business? No, because they kept the better bartender. But uh, a lot of customers were not happy about that. And they might have lost a couple bucks here and there because the, some customers wouldn't spend as much time because they at with uh, with that bar because they felt the need to they wanted to come and visit me too. And so, you know, they lose maybe a couple dollars in drinks, whatever it, uh, but it was just felt unfair. And I felt like I was getting fired for no reason without any explanation. I didn't have anything to explain because I didn't do whatever they were, uh, accusing me of except for dating my, uh, dating my bartender, fellow bartender. But, uh, like I said, they kept her, but they got rid of me. Uh, uh, and do I hold it against them that we were all longtime family friends and they still can me? No, because friends, friendship is friendship. That's business. Business is completely different. Have I ever wanted to be in the same room with them? Fuck no. Ever, ever since. No. Uh, our families used to get together a couple times a year, invite each other, other over for dinner or whatever but I wanted nothing to do with them. If I knew that they were going to be around or if I knew I was going to be in the same town as them, I, they, if the suggestion came up, maybe you should go over and say, hi, I would say, fuck that. They screwed me over. I'm not doing anything for them. Funny thing. Post, funny postscript to that story was that the bar that I used to work at, they decided to hold a, uh, some kind of deal to promote their employees service worker night and the point of service worker night was to bring in the service workers after their shift and they get a drink discount uh, so they put out a uh put out a feeler out there saying hey everybody get together we're going to play some mini golf and uh we're going to have some fun and we're all service workers and then we all stood around all of us uh, all of us from different restaurants and we all looked at each other and said, hey, uh, has anybody here noticed that 75% of the people that are playing at this uh, mini golf tournament are f- uh, that don't already work for that bar are former employees of that bar? And it, that had to have been uncomfortable because originally I wasn't going to go, but uh, uh, my, my friend and ex-girlfriend, uh, she begged me to go. And I said, all right, whatever, I'll do it. But, uh, yeah, that had to affect her a little bit that most of the people that were at that service worker golf, uh, mini golf tournament were former employees of hers. Personally, I think that's funny. (laughs) Anyway, coming up on the end of the show. So bottom line, people don't make assumptions. You can really mess up your business that way. Uh, Either come up with cold, hard facts or uh, sometimes waiting for something bad to happen uh, can be too late um, when making something uh, when making a decision. But you got to give everybody at least a little bit of a chance. It's uh, you can't just base uh, the way they look or who they are or uh, what happened without evidence on your decision or whether or not that they work there or that they even get to drink or eat there. That's just completely stupid and unfair. So anyway, people, it is last call, last call for alcohol. And unfortunately, since I am social distancing myself pretty much from the entire world while I do this uh, podcast, getting your last drink before uh, closing is going to be a real bitch. So uh, sorry about that. 
Uh, first of all, uh, even though they didn't, I didn't ask for their permission and they didn't give it to me. Thank you for to Metallica for their uh, 2020 version of Blackened. In, uh, and I played that truthfully in support of their All Within My Hands Foundation. If you want to donate or find out more about the All Within My Hands Foundation, I'm sure they're even taking uh, volunteers to help out. Go to allwithinmyhands.org today. Uh, also want to remind you guys, bartenderzonecoffee.com. They got a bunch of different blends on there and novelty coffee cups. Go check them out today. Their coffee is awesome. Bartenderzonecoffee.com. If you want to follow the Hey Bartender podcast webpage, it's www.heybartenderpodcast.com. You can go there, check out old episodes, go pick up some Hey Bartender podcast t-shirts, support a podcast by buying a t-shirt. That's all I'm asking. If you are a bartender and want to promote yourself on this podcast, or you're a manager that wants to promote yourself, uh, promote your restaurant, email me, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com, and I will make that happen for you. I'd love to have more guests on this show. If you are a musician act, or you have some music out there that you just want to get some airplay, you will get tons of listeners off of Hey Bartender Podcast. All you have to do is send me your music and a little bit about yourself to dude at heybartenderpodcast.com, and I will make that happen for you. Anyway, people, this is the end of this episode of Hey Bartender Podcast. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Well, you can stay wherever you're at, but uh, this bar is closed. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness, and don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. What do you mean it's let's go?